and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, forever. Today's episode, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, the prologue of the Black Panther. Um, uh, we're going to be stop- starting it at the beginning and stopping it at the time code 1 minute 10 seconds. Um, Black Panther was released in 2018. It was part of the Phase 3 movies. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Ryan Coogler, who will also be writing and directing Black Panther 2 and is developing a Wakanda-focused TV series, which it sounds awesome. I'm stoked about that. Yeah, that's going to be they, great. They have like an entire, I mean, literal world oh, that we sure. barely scratched the surface on. And I'm so excited to see them tell more stories about like all of like the different yeah. regions and the, because oh, there's tribes so and stuff like that there. So mm-hmm. like, and like there's a, there we'll sure get is Colin. We're, we're about <laughs> well, to get yeah. into it, but like I, I really, I'm hoping that we get to find out more mm-hmm. details about each oh, one of them sure. and how that infrastructure comes together. But absolutely take us um, away on that. It was written by Ryan Coogler um, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Robert Cole, who also wrote a canceled in humans movie. Um, Interesting. And it, uh, and I, th- I believe they are coming back to. They are both writing Black Panther two, uh, cool. which I'm. Is it officially called Shuri or just unofficially? I I don't know. I like okay. I th- I have a feeling it will be because I feel like there's not at this moment any reason to give it to anyone else. Right. You know what I mean? I because f- I feel like if to have a completely unnamed person wouldn't make right. sense. Um. But I think you know I I'm pretty sure because Shuri in the comic books does multiple times yeah. sort of take over as the Black right. Panther. Um, right. So yeah, I could I could see that being the route they go. Yeah. Spo- spoiler: uh, Shuri is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. She's great. Um, I love her. I love her. And then the, so they primarily wrote it, and then they brought in Donald brothers Donald and Stephen Glover to do comedic additions. Hmm. So Donald Glover of Community yeah. and Solo and that one scene in Spider-Man um, and his brother came in to write uh, funny parts for this movie, which is it's interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but also so, I yeah. can actually see like the funny oh, thing is, sure. is that I actually somehow never knew that. Yeah. But like once you said that, it clicked for me. I was like, yeah, yes, of course yeah. he wrote those. Of course <laughs> he wrote those. Like, yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And of course, Stephen Glover had worked with him on Atlanta um, previously, right. so Correct. they've worked yeah. they've worked together before. Um, so this uh, the 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 thing we're going to be talking about here takes place basically. Um, it starts with a, a a father and a son, and the son asks, he says, uh, "Tell me a story," and the father says, "Which one?" And the son says, "The story of home." So basically, we start off with a meteor of vibranium. Uh, flying through space. And right now we're at, uh, according to the MCU Wikipedia, Wiki, uh, at about 2.5 million BCE. So um, I actually did, as I, <laughs> when I was waiting for you <laughs> today, I did some research on the geological eras that, that, that we're talking about here. So 2.5 oh. million BCE is the very beginning of the Pleistocene epoch. Um, it's an age called the Galatian Age, uh, in the international t- uh, geological timescale, uh, being the earliest or lowest subdivision of the Quaternary period, um, that's the, we're still in that period. We're in the how, Quaternary. 
how long before the Tyrannosaurus Rex is this? We are past Tyrannosaurus oh, Rex. Well, we're past Tyrannosaurus we're, Rex. Okay. Humans, humans are, are starting to starting to be kind of a thing. Oh, that, that, that's true. Never mind. That makes total sense because they so, never mind. Yeah. That was dumb. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So then, how many years past the Tyrannosaurus Rex are we? Uh, I think a couple hundred million. We're we're right. I think basically we are in the era between all the dinosaurs are dead. We got the little rodents running around, and that's basically being done. And right, then Ratatouille now, two, the, the right, exactly Ratatouille two, beginning of time. Prequel. Yeah, um, right, exactly. <laughs> um, tell me the story while I eat this delicious French cuisine. Which story? The story of home. Um, Ratatouille two. Ratatouille is what you'd have to call right. It. Um, of course, yeah, of course. Um, so basically. It's the very beginning of the of the Pleistocene epoch, which is uh, sort of where we see man come in, and we're, I think we are still technically in that epoch. Epics are E P O C H S are E P I C. Epics are epic. Um, so then it says millions of years ago, a meteorite made of vibranium, the strongest substance in the universe, struck the continent of Africa, affecting the plant life around it. And it cuts to basically it hitting, and then. And I'm going to get into all of this, um, what is vibranium, what is all the rest of this stuff later. I just want to sort of walk us through the timeline. We see all the plants sort of being affected by this like purple light. And basically that takes us from 2.5 million BCE to 28,000 BCE, where um, I I saw that in Egypt, uh, the late or upper Paleolithic uh, began around 30,000 BCE. Uh, People in North Africa had relocated to the Nile Valley as the Sahara was transformed from grassland to desert. So right around when that happened, when when the meteor was affecting all the plant life and stuff, um, and when we see the next thing happen, was right when sort of people were sort of moving away from the Sahara. um, And uh, and yeah, so then... um, it says, and then a time, when the time of man came, five tribes, we're going to talk about them, settled on it, and it called it Wakanda. So we're going to talk about Wakanda, and sort of there's a location, but it's basically in sort of Western Africa. Um, to be super America-centric, it's sort of like the Pennsylvania of Africa. Like, it's that, if you think of Africa as okay. America, it's sort of like upper Eastern, I said Western, it's Eastern Africa, but about the middle way through uh, Africa. Okay, cool. So then uh, we go to 10,000 BCE, which is when we see in North Africa Saharan rock art engravings um, and uh, wall paintings and stuff like that, showing like creativity and artistic stuff of of the people of the time. It says the tribes lived in constant war with each other until a warrior shaman whose name was Bashenga, it's not said here, but it is, we're going to talk about him, received a vision from the panther goddess Bast, who led him to the heart-shaped herb, a plant that granted him superhuman strength, speed, and instincts. He becomes the Black Panther. Four of the five tribes are like, cool, let's be Wakanda. And then the Jabari tribe settle in the mountains. And mm-hmm. right as soon as it says mountains, we're going to stop today's clip. Perfect. So, let's start at the beginning. What, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, I do have a question for you because this is a very interesting thing. So yeah. the X-Men have not been introduced into the MCU yet. Right. Um, which I think brings up a very interesting point about how all this stuff works, right? So in the MCU, we have since the start of Captain America, we have stated vibranium is uh-huh. the strongest metal in the in the world. Right. Right. In, in like the universe, or whatever, right? Right. However, 
by technical aspects, like if you go through like Marvel Adamantium. history, adamantium right. is the strongest right. metal, right? So I'm I'm I would very be, be very curious to know, like if when when they do eventually introduce X Men, will adamantium yeah. just be like as strong as vibranium or right. will they suddenly discover that there is an entirely new substance that they like that's just like not known like commonly right. and like that's right. actually the strongest or yeah because like the, the the only reason why vibranium i feel like always kind of like has not the the edge but like it it, it uh, can withstand adamantium is the fact that like it is uh what what is the word that they they use they, they talk about how it's um it's kinetic energy like yeah, absorption. It, it dampens it absorbs vibrations right yeah. so like and that's the only reason why like you know if wolverine were to like slice at the uh the Cap shield sh- the shield it wouldn't just immediately yeah. slice right through it right. um but uh that's it's very interesting to me yeah. like that they they like outwardly are just like it's the strongest metal right well the, hands down. actually re- really interesting because um vibranium was actually introduced um in February of 1966 as anti-metal. They called it anti-metal. Interesting. And it was found in the Savage Land in in Antarctica, which is what I thought you were going to say because that's X-Men stuff. That's where Sabretooth and Sauron and stuff are. Um, It is the opposite of vibranium that we know. It actually, uh, Hmm. it can throw, it basically like bounces vibrations off of it, like all vibrations off of it. Um, it made its first appearance in Daredevil number 13 in February of 1966. Vibranium as we know it, uh, Wakandan vibranium, w- uh, first appeared in Fantastic Four number 53 in August of 1966. So the the fact that it was that it bounced stuff, is that the reason why we have Cap's shield be able to bounce around? So no, is that sort of no, where that origin Cap's shield is made from? From, from, from Wakandan vibranium. Okay, okay. Well, well, I, meant, I meant like, did they did they kind of borrow that factor later on? That's what I'm saying. I, no, they, no. As far as I can tell, we haven't yet seen uh, our Antarctic vibranium or vibranium B or SLV Savage Land vibranium. So okay. okay, we haven't seen that yet in the in the MCU. I think. Um, I was, that's well, I was just, just curious if they were like kind of like borrowing from themselves, right. kind of thing, you know. But okay. Um, and then, well, that's actually an interesting point because if it absorbs all vibrations, does it absorb momentum? In which case, Cap's shield wouldn't bounce at all, and it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess technically his shield, his shield, I think, is actually like a vibranium alloy. Right. Technically, like I think, right. like in comic books, it is, which is why it doesn't. But like in the movies, they're like it's all vibranium. Right. Uh, actually, I got I got a quote from a Black Panther production. Well, I said I got a quote. I found a quote. I did not talk to her myself. <laughs> right. um, I, I found a quote from Black Panther production designer Hannah Beachler, and she okay. said, "We've come up with this sort of blue kind of glowing rock. We run we went around a lot about like what is vibranium because we see it in Cap's shield, and it is very much a metal. So we have different stages of vibranium." Right. We're going to see it a lot in its raw form, not the alloyed form, which is sort of the stainless look. So it's exactly right. what you just said. The purple glowing stuff that we see in the Black Panther stuff is kind of like pure vibranium. And then Cap's shield sure. is alloyed vibranium. Oh, yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot that it had that like that like sheen to it. Yeah. Or, like, it, it, it's not it even a like sheen. A it's, like, it's got like a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I remember was that technically Age of Ultron, I think, where they first showed it? Uh-huh. Where they go to Claw's uh, they go to Claw, the, that right. ship. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I forgot that like they have like the like the tube of yeah. the unrefined metal. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, okay. So then uh, the five tribes, the thing I want to talk about them, we're going to meet them later, 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 much later. Um, right. But uh, I wanted to talk about uh, who they're uh, sort of inspired by in African tribes. Oh, cool. Um, so the merchant tribe is inspired by the Tuareg people of the Saharan and Sahelian regions. The border tribe is inspired by the Lesotho people. The river tribe is inspired by the Suri and Mercy tribes of Ethiopia. The mining tribe is inspired by the Himba and Maasai people of East Africa. And the Jabari tribe is inspired by the Karo tribe of Ethiopia and the Dogon people of Mali. So they they base the tribes, as at least as they're depicted in this movie, on existing cultures in Africa. And I think that is super, right. super awesome. That is um, very cool. So then uh, moving on to Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda is depicted as a small area around Lake Turkana, a point where Uganda, um, Kenya, South Sudan, and Ethiopia meet. Interestingly, it, this is the location of the Ilemi Triangle, an area of land contested between Kenya and South Sudan. Hmm. Um, it says, the geography of Wakanda depicted thus far shows lush vegetation, which would situate Wakanda in Central Africa, i.e. bordering Congo, rather than where it is seen on maps bordering Kenya and Ethiopia, where there is mostly just desert. So... Be playing sort of fast and loose with African geography, but that's fine. Well, um, now here's here's my question though, right? Is that technically the foliage? Right. Well, I, I don't I don't necessarily know if I want to get into that yet, but right. should I should I just should we put a like a let's, flag let's in that a, note or let's put a pin in that? Flag, I think pin that, is what I meant. I don't know why I said flag. We can put a, a flag on top of the pin. I think we can attach a flag yeah, yeah. to the pin for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's we'll some, come back to it. And like also, you know, it used to be like in when it was uh, so uh, uh, Wakanda made its first appearance in uh, Fantastic Four number 52, July of 1966. The the issue was called the Black Panther. Uh, It's also the first appearance of Black Panther, Bast and the Heart Shaped Herb, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, I didn't know the herb was in that, too. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, But like Wakanda back in the 60s was basically like across the ocean over there somewhere like right. it has definitely evolved into more of a specific location in africa rather than where it started which is sort of like not america right <laughs> which you know the well, 60s, I, mean, that was also, the 60s. I feel like back then that was like kind of a big step because like yeah. basically right. it was like you had canada and north basically you had north america right. right you had a few kind of british english things and then like right. Because of especially like things like the Cold War IRL, you had a lot of Russian shit. Right. Uh, But like it was a lot of stuff of just like most of the world was just sort of like it's out there. Right. We're saving the world, quote unquote. But like inside the quotations, there's small print that's like the United States of America. Right. You know, white people. Like (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) That is pretty much. I mean, let's be honest. Like that's what like all movies and like whether they're action movies or. You know, superhero movies, whatever. Like every time they're like, we're saving the world. It's like, you're saving Boston. You know, like, but like, right. I get that you think that this would somehow affect the whole world if like, <laughs> Boston was gone. You know, right. Ben Affleck. Um, ben, ben Affleck writes a superhero movie. <laughs> and he's like, we've got to save the world. Like he's, he only wants to threaten Boston. And he's like, that's too much. That's the world to me. You know, like, good, yeah. good Wolverine hunting by Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> Okay, How do you so like them apples, bub? <laughs> anyway. How do you like them apples, bub? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Bast is based on Bast or Bastet, 
mm-hmm. also known as uh, uh, Bist or Bast or Ubast or Basset. Um, it's an Egyptian god who is a cat. Um, okay. There's actually there was a that there were sense. two Egyptian gods that were both cats, and they basically kind of got melded into one. And the other one was like the ferocious lion god, and Bast was like the house kitty version of the cat okay. god. So it's like the domestic house cat thing. So very interesting, uh, certainly. And but in um, also in uh, Greek ancient Greek religion, she was known as Iluros, um, which is okay. Greek for cat. Um, huh. <laughs> uh, Bastet was worshipped in Bubastis in Lower Egypt originally as a lioness goddess. Here we go. I wrote it down. I didn't have to remember it. A role shared by other deities such as Sekhmet. Eventually, Bastet and Sekhmet were characterized as two aspects of the same goddess, with Sekhmet representing the powerful warrior and protector aspect, and Bastet, who increasingly was depicted as a cat, representing a gentler aspect, which I think is so interesting for the Black Panther's whole thing. Whole thing, exactly. (laughs) Considering it's like, ah, yes, great, I am a protector. Smash, smash, slice. You know, it's like that's yeah, yeah, very funny. Um, and then uh, if he happens to be listening to this podcast, uh, the next part is for uh, James Wilcox, uh, who was the once and future host of the World Beyond the Tale podcast, looking at Neil Gaiman's American Gods. In American Gods, Bastet lives in the Little Egypt area of southern Illinois, alongside Thoth and Anubis. In the in American Gods, uh. In the form of an ordinary brown house cat, but then in dreams, she becomes like a goddess who seduces people and stuff. So if you want, we've already met her in the in the episodes of World Beyond the Tale that have been released. So you can go back to those and meet Bas- yeah, we'll, Bastet. We'll put, that, we'll put that in the show yeah. notes for sure. Yeah. And also, I think it's very funny that you say, if James Wilcox is listening to true, this, as if true. James Wilcox will, will not listen to this show. Fair, fair point. You know? Um, so Bashenga is the guy mentioned, but not mentioned by name, who is the first Black Panther in this story. Uh, we'll get to other stories about the Black Panther, one of which I was fascinated by. But in this story, Bashenga is the name of the guy who is the first Black Panther who who meets with Bast and gets the mm-hmm. power of the heart-shaped herb. Um, Bashenga's first appearance in the comics was Black Panther number seven, January 1978. The issue was called Drums with an exclamation point. A lot of exclamation okay. points in the 60s and 70s. Like every yeah, title a, was like a lot of something. Like, I mean, like Daredevil was always like a man without fear with an exclamation right. point. It was like, it was like it, he, they had to scream it in your face. It's like it couldn't uh, just be Daredevil. A man without fear was like a man without fear. Like exactly, you should fear him. Like it's it was very. I mean, that was the seventies. It was like ooh, mysterious. I, I think that comics have Get come excited. a long way since the sixties and seventies. However, I do miss Stan Lee's editorial boxes where it's like missed in that last ish. <laughs> space stan or you'll remember this from fantastic four number 35 right yeah i love those and like the little like anyways. those are good yeah. um so bashenga it said according to the mcu wikipedia he was born in 7984 bc so when we say we're at 10,000 bashenga wait, is like 984 bc is what you said right so like okay. basically 8,000 so basically 2,000 years after we're talking this period where Basically, there's been war for all the time between 28,000 and mm. 10, and basically 8,000. A 2,000-year war, war, war. war. That's crazy. Exactly. Um, if, not, if not more. So then 
the heart-shaped herb. I wanted to find if it was based on any specifically anything. Um, but then I talked. Uh, I found a Kevin said that's partially spiritual. We certainly don't call it magic, but there's vibranium that has been interwoven within that soil and that land for thousands of years. So there are other things going on with it. So basically, making the heart-shaped herb sauce probably mm. won't call it sauce in the future, but for now we're calling it sauce. Sure. Um, is like basically liquid drinking vibranium. And that's sort of what they're talking Jesus. about. So yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like that that's probably the main reason why they go and see like ancestors. If, yeah, if you're exactly. drinking a metal, they're like, <laughs> right. cause I feel like we, we did it's a like lot mercury. of testing with lead. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say with like lead and mercury and stuff. I feel like we learned a lot about that. I feel like eventually yeah. we will have to have a discussion. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, this is an open invitation. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, anything Kevin, you want, any episode you want. In fact, if you want to be on every episode, fine, fine. Kevin, we'll go back and start over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kevin, pick of the litter. Do you understand me? <laughs> all right, that's all I'd say. Sorry. All right, so let's get into uh, the Black Panther himself, themselves, yeah. I guess. Um, so I found this, and this is from Marvel Legacy number one, September 2017. But this set my mind on fire. At some point, uh, at some point on, early human man of the Panther tribe discovered a vibranium meteor and unlocked its secrets, becoming the first to take up the mantle of the Black Panther. Odin Borson, on ancient as an ancient Asgardian deity, admitted he has not been impressed by such a, mar- a mortal before or since. The Black Panther allied with other mystically augmented and supernatural beings to form the Stone Age Avengers. Colin. The Stone Age Avengers, and fought an out-of-control celestial called the Fallen, eventually defeating it and sealing it in an underground chamber in what would become the modern-day country of South Africa. This Black Panther's history after that is unknown, though his legacy was continued by the royal family of Wakanda. Besides Odin, he was the first person to wield Mjolnir. So Interesting. That is from Marvel Legacy number 1, September 2017, Clearly not original uh, storyline. Also, this imagines a kind of like a, a Neanderthal Black Panther, which is fascinating to me. Um, but uh, so the other thing that I looked up for the Black Panther is um, the relationship between Black Panther and the Black Panthers. Because um, I was really oh, interested okay. in there was if there was any relation there, if it was whatever. So. Black Panther was once referred to as the Black Leopard for a short time in 1972, both in-universe and out-of-universe. It was changed to distance Marvel from the group of the same name, though in-universe, T'Challa explains that he neither condemns nor condones their actions and that technically a leopard is a panther. <laughs> so we pull pull back okay. behind the scenes. Uh, the character predates the, the Black Panther party. Right. But not the Black Panther logo, which was used by the Black Panther's party's the Black Panther Party's predecessor, and by segregated World War II Black Panthers tank battalion. Um, which Whoa, I, that's cool. I, I think that's where dapping comes from, is that kind of huh. segregated uh, uh, military where they would show that they were trustworthy by doing sort of complicated handshakes like dapping. That's it's sort of showing like that you're yeah. in. Yeah, so... Right. But, I, mean, that I makes said sense. that in the whitest I mean, makes, way possible. No, no, but I, I, I knew what you meant. Like, I understand, yeah. like, what you're trying to say. Like, yeah. it's... It, I mean, not to not to jump super far in the future, but um, in uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, in episode two, 
He's like, yeah. what are you, White Panther? And he's like, actually, White Wolf. And right. they move on. And he's like, wait, what? The idea of like being taken in as sort of, I really hate that my brain said this, but like kind of like Buddy the Elf. Like Bucky is basically the Buddy the Elf of Wakanda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, sure. except he, he knows it. Like, it's like right, a yeah. culture taking you in and you're sort of given an honorific and sort of you become part of the culture, but you aren't part of the culture. Yeah. That kind of weirdness is explored uh, later on. Um, yeah, we'll I mean, we'll have to get to that yeah. because it a lot. Some people were kind of upset that they gave him that honorific mm-hmm. because in the comics um, there is a white wolf and it was mm-hmm. not Bucky. Mm. It was another character that they that people kind of felt should have been given like his time and his recognition. So well, you listen, know. Bucky was dead for a long time, and and now he's just coming in and sweeping up all. the... <laughs> I know. I mean, God, it's so typical of white men like that. They could be uh, dead for 70 years and then pop right back in and just keep taking. Right. God. I, uh, I, it's totally it's funny, but also not funny. We'll, we'll have to figure out what what might need to be edited there. But I want to say so I was looking there's something a, up. I was like, thing, you know, um, just oh, real quick. Ahead, Stan Lee actually weighed in on this. He, he did not. He denied that the character was named after the movements which began being used after the character's creation. And he, he called it just a strange coincidence. So he was aware of it. He didn't sort of, he wasn't like, no, we would never be blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm, I'm taking as he wasn't, I don't know. He didn't weigh in on like the, his judgment value of, of the Black Panthers. Um, right. But he was like, it was just sort of like the Panther, the, the cat, not right. the- Which I think yeah. is good though, because I don't yeah. think that's necessarily his place to say anyway. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But also, though, at the same time, like, I also do think that, like, you know, again, I, I don't think that Marvel or really any of these publications are perfect by any means necessary. Right. But, like, at least I do think that they tend to be on the better side of things. Because, I mean, like, sure. look at how, like, X-Men is entirely an allegory for the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, that's all that that story is, you know? Um, well, but, there's I, a- you know, something that you would... Oh, go ahead. There's um there's a there's a book called uh, the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which is about a fictional uh, pair of men who create a fictional superhero, but basically it's a parallel to um, Superman, and basically they make him as basically the ideal, like they're both like Jewish men with like poor eyesight and sort of they're not very strong or whatever. They're sort of like that, mm-hmm. uh, like a Jewish sort of what what went on to be the the sort of gross Jewish stereotype, but like they make this like big, strong man who is also they like, they're like, you know, this guy's Jewish. He's just big and right. strong and powerful. So it's all, it's like the, um, you know, he takes off his glasses and like he, he takes off his suit and like whatever the idea of the superhero being like the stand in for the oppressed people that are writing him. Right. Um, I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think is explore. I think you're right. I think Marvel has has done a long has, has. I mean, like you said, not perfect, but there has been a long time where they've looked at racism and segregation and and hate and sexism and homophobia and all this stuff through the lens of what if it was this? What if right. you were this? What if they were beloved heroes of yours and stuff? And they 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 still do it to this day. I mean, like you know, yeah. like there's a, a you know 
uh, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode where they mention like, it's like 2016, 2017, and they're like, how are we still fighting Nazis, right? Like, they're like, <laughs> they're like so angry and frustrated yeah. about it. But the thing is, like, it is very clear that that is a direct statement about what was happening yeah. in the real world outside mm-hmm. of the creation of that episode because they Absolutely. can take moments like that to still commentate on things yep. because they do things like that like in that same time period in the show they met there's a line about making society great again right right so like it's things like that so like they make those commentary on things and like marvel's been i think you know, usually pretty good about that sort of yeah. stuff but yeah. like you know i was looking at all the different people who have been uh, the Black Panther, and there's really not been a lot, right? Um, yeah. There's, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, that have only, that have ever, like, in comic read. Been shown, right, exactly. Uh, been shown yeah. as. But I'll tell you, considering how long that history is, you could do an entire, like, anthology of stories mm-hmm. of different mm-hmm. eras and different, um, you know, people in the, in the suit, essentially. I would read the hell out of that. There's, um, there's a book that I keep recommending to Morgan mm-hmm. <laughs> um, called People of the Book, which traces this book um, back from present day to like the, you know, thousand, one thousand AD or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it has all this stuff in it like, oh, this uh, this feather is from when the book was taken by the, the Jews in the concentration camp, you know, and, and, and used and hidden in this farmhouse or whatever. I would love a Black Panther anthology that follows it through either backwards or forwards through the history and like generation after generation. Like this is what the Black Panther was during X, Y, or Z, the Civil War or whatever. Right. I mean, now yeah. it's in Africa. So there's actually, you'd have to do some interesting stuff, not make it America centric, but like right. what was, what was Black Panther like during World War II? Actually, wait a minute. There was a, there was a, um, there was a Captain America comic that I read um, where I think it was T'Chaka's dad. Yes, it's um, Chanda, I think. Chanda was, okay. uh, Azuri. Uh, I'm literally looking at it right now. Uh, first time appeared in Fantastic Four Unlimited number one, which was in 1993. Um, he, uh, he was the Black Panther and ruler of Wakanda, of Wakanda during the Second World War. Yeah, um, this is, um, it's called Flags of Our Fathers. It was from 2010. And it's basically a team up between Captain America in the 40s and 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 that guy right it's pretty good yeah wow yeah yeah that's cool what we just said is the thing is the thing that we it's crazy that like literally as i was like talking about and kind of scrolling right like i stopped with my page like scrolled directly with that being the first thing on my page so (laughs) as you said i was like whoa that's crazy i'm literally looking i was like reading it right then and there yeah it was meant to be it's and i found it very good and interesting because you know like it was it was very interesting that was like they're the conquering American armed forces. Like they've mm-hmm. just won World War II or they're, you know, they're fighting Nazis, but they're on the right side of history, if you will. But they're right. still racist assholes to the Wakandans. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're still horrible. Of course, and I think yeah. that's a, that's an interesting allegory um, or like like uh, detail to, to note for sure. Right. And it's not so I mean, not like I think as much in the comics, but like, you know, the movies uh, have it a little bit more closed off mm-hmm. uh, than normal um, because at least in the comics, like people as far as, as long as I've known uh, the black Panther within comic books, yeah. people have always known about his nation and what 
it's like there, but right. like their borders are closed. Right. Uh, right. But like they, but people do are aware of it. Right. But like within the movies, like everyone's like, it's just some farming place, but it's like, <laughs> no, that's what they want you to think. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it would be very interesting to know, you know, sort of like if that is like, whether it's in the comics or whether it's in the movies, it'd be very interesting to know like when it was sort of decided we like, we must, you know, like hide this away, you know, and like yeah. when they develop that technology and stuff, you know, that's in this, um, this prologue has has when that happens so in the next like episode four or 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 somewhere along mm-hmm. the way before we get to the 20th century there's a talk about like and then they were like all right shut it down shut you know the world right. went on without them i think the next i think episode four well i think the episode that takes place like right around like 200 AD mm-hmm. or whatever is like then they shut themselves off from from the world Right. I, I I meant more of like, when did the technology that they have now mm-hmm. sort of come into play into that actual sure. prospect? You know, right. because I think that they mention it in either the clip that we just listened to or in the next one where they sort it's of talk about one, the yeah. tribes a little bit. Right. Yeah. Like the border tribe and stuff like that. I mean, like part of their, you know, part of their like, you know, tribes, like, you know, like duty or whatever, if you want to call it, like to the nation was I mean, it's called the border tribe for a reason, right? So right. it's like kind of the the security of the land right. and everything like that. So like, you know, they still are obviously in charge of that, but like in a totally different way now. So like, wh- right. where is that shift between like, you know, we are literally people standing like on these lines, like on these right. like, you know, metaphorical lines and like when the tech comes into play. I don't know. It's just very interesting to know how yeah. quickly they advanced with vibranium and stuff. Well, there's 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 a whole. I mean, like the one of the themes of the of the movie is like isolationism versus um, helping those in need and all that stuff, right. sort of. Um, and like how far advanced they are technologically. Like Killmonger's mm-hmm. whole thing. Well, we'll get to it. Like, but yeah, we'll but get to it. They, they they advance. Vibranium helps them advance technologically, staying ahead right. of because you you know you think about like. You know, 1200, Marco Polo is walking through Africa, let's say. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he happens to stumble upon Wakanda, it's not like they have to have a cool cloaking thing. They can just be like, right. get out of here. Correct. And it's not until like there's planes. And so like World right. War One, World War yes. Two, things that, that they can have to fly start, over like, and observe. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's a good point, too. Um, so um, the last thing I have is about the yeah. Jabari. We already talked about who oh, they're yeah, yeah. Uh, inspired by. Um, they are first shown in Avengers number 62, March 1969, in a comic called The Monarch yes. and the Man-Ape. Um, so the, we we first see the Jabari, and I think M'Baku, um, again, one of my favorite uh, characters in the whole MCU. He's great. I love him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We are vegetarians. Oh God, so that, good! I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that whole scene, especially like every time Martin Freeman opens his mouth, and like just like the way he at yeah, first just, is like, okay, that's weird, but then like and then he tries to continue, and then he's like, oh, oh, this is this is happening. You're actually and like the I'll way he now. is taken yeah. aback. Yeah, exactly. And then and like then he yeah the threat, and like for the first time Martin Freeman's actually like, oh, actually I'm uncomfortable. Now. I'm actually I'm actually very uncomfortable i say we're vegetarians whole thing do you notice that both benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman play americans in the mcu i had not put that together before that's wild 
Isn't it? Huh. Isn't it kind of funny uh, how how that works out? I mean, it's it's also very funny that like you know they are both, uh, and so so you have both sets of of um, Sherlock and uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, Watson in the MCU. Oh my god! And okay, so hold on, because because uh, Lucy Liu is. Oh no no no! I'm talking about uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. and, and uh, Jude Law. And then also you have uh, Rachel McAdams, who was also in uh, that the Robert Downey Jr. Oh, she was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So like you have two sets there, but it's very interesting that like they're all now American. Like yeah, like all of them at some point have done a British accent, whether it was natural or forced, and now they are all in American accents, natural or forced. Right. It is very weird hearing Martin Freeman with an American accent. I don't think I'd ever heard it before this. Before this. I was watching, uh, a, I'm, I'm at part of Dr. Strange, and I was like, it's so weird to hear I, Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch's timbre, but without the accent is like, yeah. it, it was it was freaking me out yesterday. I was like, uh, what is happening? <laughs> it is, it's for, every, every time I hear him talk, like eventually I get used to it, but for the first yeah. couple of lines, I'm like, huh, what? That's not what you're supposed to <laughs> It's just because in my mind, I'm like, that's not what you're supposed to sound like. Exactly. Which is funny, though, because then when I hear Tom Holland, when yeah. he speaks with his actual voice, I'm like, that's, that's not your voice, kid. You know, it's like, go, go <laughs> stop back faking to... <laughs> stop go faking back to, the British accent. Uh, go back to Peter I, Parker. Uh, I, I actually have the essential... Do you know the essential volumes? Sure. That are like on newsprint, basically? And they're like 70 issues or whatever? Oh, of like yeah. Old, yeah, yeah. I have the first four volumes of Avengers Essential volumes. So oh. I remember reading them and, and being introduced to the Black Panther. And oh, that's tight. As, as always happens with Avengers, they like are like, who is this? Let's fight. Right. And then eventually <laughs> Which, they're like, oh, you're not our enemy. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I mean, like, sorry that's about a that common, old chat. Yeah. For lack of a better term, that's like that's such a common theme throughout Mm -hmm. comic books and i think part of it is just because like when you're a superhero you find someone else in tights that you don't know you're like you clearly came here to fight me so let's fight i mean it's like (laughs) batman and superman right yeah like pretty much every time they get introduced to each other it's that same way uh the hulk and anyone whether he's uh, met them or not that's true well the problem is like that's that's more of a hulk (laughs) problem than anything else i was gonna mention the hulk and wolverine you know what i mean sure like that's how wolverine was introduced was through the hulk you know um And like, and now he's like one of the biggest names in that universe. The re- the the rest of Black Panther before we get into like Black Panther before we get to 1992, frankly, are going to be um, little short clips that are going to basically be like little history lessons. Like, how far have we come between the last time we saw the Black Panther prologue? Um, so look forward to those. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I'm not going to dive too deep on them. Those will be maybe shorter episodes because they're definitely shorter clips, but right. they were important to me as uh, mile markers for uh, as we go through time. So we're mm-hmm. going to see another one next episode. Or, you know, and also, I, I mean, it kind, of, like, it kind of sets up the characterization as well right, of of right. the different people that you meet for sure. Yeah. So and so then and there's going to be like now is the time of elephants being transportation. Now is the time of boats and such and such so we'll talk Uh about that um but from this is the most stuff we get from black panther in terms of story for a for a while for a Um, while yeah yeah but that's it 
I was fascinated by this stuff that I found. I thought it was so cool how much yeah. work had actually been research and stuff had been done to make this accurate. I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why I really loved that movie so much mm-hmm. was like not only like just watching the movie, but then all like like the behind the scenes, like comment, like not commentary, yeah. but I mean, like all the behind the scenes, like yeah. things that you got to see and like the discussion of those things and mm-hmm. like. And that also carried over into things like Endgame and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like where they were sitting down, like before they would shoot a scene, like literally sitting around, like in the group and saying, okay, like, you know, we want to make sure that this is authentic to this. Right. So, and like, and you know, your characters better than, than we do. So it's like, so like, tell us like, would it make more sense to have you like in this sort of position or like this sort of position? They're like, well, we would, we would put like because of what we have like this is the sort of like formation that we would be in and these are the types of chants and cheers that we would have that you know like describe the emotions and the the like the setting that we're in like it's all that all that stuff and all that of of course again is then also based off of history and like current uh cultures and stuff like that yeah uh and like it's it's attention to detail Mm -hmm. um and i think it's so important because like you know especially now like you know with um with Chadwick having passed away, which is, um, I mean, heartbreaking. I mean, I blindsided so many of us, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I mean, the thing is that like, you know, there was a a really great thing. I I really wish that Jimmy Fallon wasn't there for it. I wish that he had just like filmed it. Yes. Cause like, it's so weird that he's there Mm -hmm. and like hovering the whole time. It's like, I mean, it was on his show. I I I get that. I get it, but yeah. I feel like, you know, behind the scenes, yes. But, like, when he walks out, just just let him do his thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because, anyway, like, the, I do think it's so funny when they're all like, oh, hi, Jimmy. And, like, they, yeah, yeah. he's like, okay, I mean, I'm also famous, but sure. No, but, like, it was nice to see that, like, the the people uh, who would stand in front of the, the camera and the, the poster and, and to talk about the different aspects of the movies that led to, like, like that tied into, like, to their culture and, like, to, like, mm-hmm. who they are. And, like not one of them said the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I, and I think that like, That's it's awesome. every single one of them took away something different from that movie. Yep. And then also being able to, to praise him and like give yep. him his flowers essentially while he was alive, which is now even more relevant. Oh, yeah. But like that, like, I, I don't know, like that to me was what made that movie so powerful yep. was like, it was a good story, but then also like, there was so much, like there was such a deep vein of culture and stories that like, you do not see yep. in American films yep. and it's like we could use so much more of this yep. I, mean, I could watch I thought, like i mean uh, sorry i know we were talking about it earlier but the series that they're going to do like yeah. i could watch seasons of that oh for sure you know what I, mean? I mean i i i had these same sort of thoughts while i was watching luke cage um which is mm. sort of a, an equivalent but with like a in, in, um, in like an context. urban setting yeah yeah and like a um yeah and it's it's so interesting to see i mean like it's so it's so refreshing to see all the different niches and and angles to look at this culture. Yes. It's it's a it's amazing and wonderful and should be like essential viewing. Frankly, like yeah, Luke Cage is is great and and Black Panther and there should be it's more and more and more and more. And I love that yeah. that um they're they're sort of tackling some of the stuff in Falcon and Winter Soldier yeah. and and all sorts of stuff. Um yeah, so uh, there was one more thing I was gonna say. Oh, language. We haven't gotten to it yet because we haven't oh, actually heard yes. it yet. But they they're, they're, we're gonna, when we get to it years from now, we're going to talk about the <laughs> language uh, that they're actually using authentic African languages right. that were made. The decision was made basically like in situ. We're going to use, I don't know how to pronounce the, the name of the language. We're going to use this authentic language 
the actual language. Right. And so yes. Wakanda speaks this language. And I think that's right. so awesome. I, I, yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head it's either, but X-H-O-S-A. I literally. H-O-S-A. It's like, um, Sosha or some same. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, hang on. How do you pronounce it? I'm trying, trying to see if I can find that. Um, I think it's, I think it's Kose, Kose, Kose. I, I don't know what the, this, this symbol in, uh, in, um, phonetics. Oh yeah. Means. Yeah. Um, um but I believe it starts with a K. Although there's like I think there's a little symbol right before the K too, so I can't quite can't quite make that out. I I need someone who on, understands linguistics. Kosa. And Wikipedia just told me Kosa. Kosa. Okay, yeah. So, so like yeah, but like that's the thing. Yeah, you're 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 right. The Bantu language of the Kosa uh, related to Zulu and spoken over by mm-hmm. seven by over seven million people, which I think yeah. makes sense. Yeah. As that although it's interesting because like that's southern Africa. Yeah. But also exactly. it is in the eastern Cape province. So like I I could see how you could potentially you know. Well, I, yeah, and and there's there's some discussion that, that I saw in my in my like my Wakanda research that was like it was very interesting that they that they spoke Kosa. Like it was a decision but it also had repercussions about geography and linguistics and linguistic uh, migration and stuff like that that is fascinating to me um but yeah so that's all that's all in the future that's all like way in the future yeah, way way in the in um, the quote future yeah the future yeah. of this moment exactly um everything's in the future of this moment that hasn't already passed whoa whoa dude until we have to do a flashback episode whoa <laughs> well i think that's all that i had for for that great well then where can people find you james they can find me on Twitter at Unabashed James. Where can they find you, Colin? You can find me at Colin M. Parker. That's C-O-L-I-N-M-P-A-R-K-E-R. You can find our show at insert Twitter handle. Uh, you can write to us on our email at insert email address. And you can find the Scavengers Network at Scavengers Net. We also have uh, lots of really great bonus content at uh, patreon.com slash the scavengers network two dollars a month gets you bonus content from all the scavengers network shows including this one believe me we've cut some stuff out of this yeah it's go- a it's lot of ca- it's going it's into patreon yeah. yeah so uh check that out thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of the timeline scavengers as always i'm colin parker and i'm james anderson excelsior wake up and find that it's later than it was when you last opened your eyes? Does every step forward seem to pull you away from where you just were? Do you feel like symptoms on pharmaceutical commercials are just specific enough to make the majority of listeners think that they need treatment? If this is you or someone you know, you may need the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. Snips. Developed by the top minds at the Scavengers Network, Snips is guaranteed to be a thing you can watch from May 21st through 23rd, 2021 on Twitch, Facebook, or at snipshowcase.com. Ask your doctor if Snips is right for you, and also if they'd like to come over to your place to watch with you, if you have that kind of relationship. Snips. 
It's the only podcast festival specifically designed to be what this ad was all about. Snipshowcase.com. That's S-N-I-P showcase.com. Side effects may include laughter, hunger, confusion, flexibilization, triumph, emulsion, looking up words in the dictionary to see if they're real or if someone just made them up, disorientation followed by immediate reorientation, dizziness, busyness, busyness, or floppy knuckles. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.